Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. The spirit of uncompromising boldness. Does anyone want to hear that today? Okay. Judges chapter 6, verse 1. You're in for a treat today. And then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves dens and caves and strongholds which were in the mountain. That's not a good place to be. In dens and caves and strongholds. The enemy is assaulting them. The enemy is, is coming against them and instead of being bold and taking their authority, they have retreated into dens and caves. So it was in verse 3 that whenever Israel sowed, the Midianites would come up and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come against them. Every time they sowed, the enemy would respond. Have you ever felt like that? You've sowed a word of faith, you've given, you've stepped out and the moment you do that, the enemy comes against you. That's not uncommon. Verse 4, then they would encamp against them and they would destroy their produce of the earth as far as Gaza. And they would leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, ox or donkey. They would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come as numerous as a locust. Both they and their camels were without number. And they would enter the land and destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out before the Lord. I've been there. Have you? Yeah. Sowing, 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 speaking. And then the enemy comes against you and you retreat. And you find yourself in a place where you're impoverished. And all that you've sown, it feels like it's been snatched from you. There is resistance from giants when you want to take your promised land. Did you hear me? There is always spiritual resistance when you seek to go in and take what belongs to you. And here's the deal. You will never possess your possessions without a spirit of boldness. You will never possess your possessions without a spirit of boldness. The Bible says in Matthew, that's better, Matthew chapter 11 that the, that the heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And spiritual violence is actually a boldness that comes upon you that says, I will not retreat into a den, I will not retreat in a cave, and I will not allow the enemy to steal what belongs to me. Yeah. Yeah. Am I talking to the right people here today? Yeah. And so something rises up within you. There may be a spirit of unbelief that attacks the church, but there's also a spirit of passivity and intimidation that comes against the church that wants us to retreat. And I have a word from the Lord for you today. The word of the Lord is that God is going to give you a spirit of boldness to come against everything that has sought to intimidate you, to cause fear to come against you, so you would retreat into a cave and lose what is rightfully yours. Proverbs 28.1 says the righteous are as bold as a lion. As bold as a lion. So Israel was sowing seeds every year, but never enjoying their fruits. I've had enough of that. I've had enough. 
I get ticked off when I sow seeds, when I begin to speak, when I begin to believe and the enemy comes and he begins to fight and contend for that which belongs to me. I've had enough of retreating back to caves and dens and strongholds and allowing the enemy to come in and destroy everything that I've believed in. Haven't you? Don't you get a bit ticked off in the spirit? See, anger's a good thing. Anger's not sin. Anger's a good thing when it's directed at that which is of the enemy. We use a sword against the enemy and a towel towards people. We serve people and fight the devil. Too many believers use a sword against people and a towel against the enemy. So they began to sow and sow and sow. And so when I read this scripture, I, I saw it a little bit different. I saw it as God's people sowing words, sowing proclamation and declarations over their life, this city, this church. And you've been sowing and sowing because words are spiritual substance. And here is Israel sowing, sowing, sowing. And the moment they sow, the enemy comes and it begins to attack the very words that you have prophesied over your life, your children, your workplace, this church and this city. Are you seeing this today? This is what's taking place. This is a picture of what takes place spiritually. That as we begin to declare into the realm of the, of the spirit, the enemy begins to come in and he wants to steal that which you've sown. Jesus said, my words that I speak are spirit and they are life and they will never, ever pass away. But what happened is they sowed and they began to shrink back. When the enemy came, they retreated into dens and caves. Now the Bible says in Hebrews 10.38, we are not of those that shrink back. Did you hear that? That's not the DNA of the kingdom of God. Hebrews 10.38 says, my righteous one will live by faith. He says, I take no pleasure in the one that shrinks back. That's not my nature. And so when the enemy came against Israel, Because they weren't in right relationship with God, they began to shrink back. They began to doubt that which they had sown. This is what's happening right across the body of Christ. We begin to speak and declare and all of a sudden the enemy comes against us and we shrink back from what we have declared, the greatness of what we've declared. Well, maybe it won't happen. Maybe I need to downsize that. Maybe I should stop speaking that way because whenever I speak, it, it tends to stir something up. So we stop making audacious declarations. God said, his word shall not return void. It shall accomplish everything that it set forth to do. So when God speaks, he never takes it back. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he like a son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it and he will do it? So in other words, when God declares something, he doesn't repent and change his mind and say, oops, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I should have just downsized what I said. God's not like that. When he speaks a word, it stays out in the realm of the spirit until it accomplishes Everything that it's designed to do. But these people were speaking and sowing and then hiding in caves because the battle began to rage. We choose what we do with our words. Words resisted always return. When your word goes out in the realm of the spirit, it will either be accepted or resisted. 
like in this place today, it would be either accepted or resisted. But when you're declaring things that go out in the realm of the Spirit, where you're declaring change, they will often be resisted by people and by demonic spirits. And they will then come back to you to see what will you do with the words that you spoke. Will you retract from them and hide in the cave and say, I didn't really mean that? Those words will come back and test you. Jesus said to the disciples, when they came out of a town, they proclaimed the kingdom and the words that they proclaimed were resisted, that weren't received. He said, when you come out of that town, I want you to shake the dust off your feet. What was he saying? See, that dust wanted to leave the town with them. That dust is a picture of the words that they declared over that town. And the words were saying, we don't want to stay where you've declared a judgment or the mind of God. We want to return back to you so you will take those words out of the city where they won't stay and do what they're supposed to do. Are you getting that? So that's what words do. And Jesus said, shake the dust off your feet so the dust remains in that city. In other words, what you've proclaimed must remain what, where you've spoken it to be. Don't take it back. Don't say, well, maybe that wasn't God. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe that judgment wasn't God. Maybe I don't have his mind for that city. No, Jesus said, you've declared a word over that city. So let the word stay where you put it. For it will come back and test your resolve. That's why Jesus, sorry, the Father, made the prophets' heads or foreheads like stone. Why did he do that? Because when they prophesied the word of the Lord, what happens is that word will be tested. And it, if, if it's not received by the people, it will come back and assault your mind. And so when you speak the word, you have to have the mind of Christ that says, What I have spoken I believe I will not repent. I will not change my mind. Thus, this is the word of the Lord. So their foreheads were so strong that when the word bounced back at them and they went back to where it belonged, these men and women were hiding in caves. They'd retracted. They allowed the enemy to steal their seed. Well, maybe, maybe God doesn't want to bless you. Maybe God doesn't want you prosperous. Maybe it's not God's will to heal. And so all these words come back. Maybe it's not God's will for me to live in peace, have a great marriage, have a great family, have, have this and that. So the word of the Lord is resisted and tested. And it's our job to get out of the cave and say, I believe what I have spoken. Jesus said the same about an unclean spirit. When it's cast out, it's always going to return to see whether the house is in order. It's a principle of the Spirit that when you release something, it always comes back to test whether it can come back and remain. You must allow your words to stay in the realm of the Spirit. And when they return, you must speak to them and cast them back out again. The moment you question what you've spoken... The seed is destroyed and you've got to start again. Uncompromising boldness. Uncompromising boldness that says, I will not move. Uncompromising boldness. I will not retract from the greatness of what you've spoken over my life. I will not allow the enemy to come and steal my inheritance. 
I'm speaking to somebody today. Uncompromising boldness. And so Gideon is surrounded by a people that are constantly retracting from the greatness of their calling. In verse 7 of Joshua, Judges 6, And it came to pass, the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, and God sent a prophet. A prophet comes not just to declare what's going on, but why it's going on. And he said, Thus says the Lord God, I brought you out of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians, out of the hand of all who oppressed you. I drove them out. I gave you their land. And I also said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear. Do not be intimidated and afraid by the resistance of the enemy. I told you. I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians. And I spoke to you. You're in this mess today because I warned you not to fear or be intimidated by the enemy. But you would not listen to my voice. He says, you feared the gods of the Amorites. Wow. Do you know the word Amorite? It means to speak, to declare, to command in the context of preeminence. In other words, it's boastful speaking from the enemy that says, you will never make it. And God said, I told you not to listen to the voice of the enemy when he intimidates you and causes fear and begins to cause you to question your future. I warned you not to go into that place, but you would not heed my voice. This is why you find yourself in a cave. It's not because of God. God doesn't want you in a cave. He doesn't want you living that way. But he said, you have listened to a lie. So come on, Gideon. Get out of that cave. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy, the gods of the Amorites. A spirit of fear and intimidation that got a hold of these people. As you read this story, and many of you have read this story, Judges 6 verse 23, if you're taking notes, the Lord spoke to Gideon and he said, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You will not die. Again, in, we see in... Uh, verse 27, he's commanded to, to uh, pull down the father's idols. Be so afraid that he does it at night time. Right through this story in ch uh, chapter 6 and chapter 7, it is laced with fear and intimidation. And I want to suggest to you today kindly that in the church, we have been assaulted by a spirit of fear and intimidation that says, you can't do it. Oh, not us. Yes, you. Yes, me. We have been assaulted by this spirit that says, don't be too radical. Don't speak out. Don't make a noise in church. Don't share your faith. Don't pray for the sick. Don't believe for more. It's a spirit of fear and intimidation. And it's come against these people and they're hiding. How many people hide in church, hide in Christian lifestyles, hide in Christian families, hide in... in Christian hope hubs hide in places because they're afraid to get out in the big bad world because the enemy is fearful, sorry, fearsome and is intimidating them. We don't want to get out into places of prominence. We've got a big God and a small devil, church. 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul says to Timothy, 
I call to your remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Paul is stirring up Timothy because Timothy is prone to anxiety and fear. He's young and he doesn't know whether he's up for the task. And Paul reminds him, hey, Timothy, remember the genuine faith that's in you and in your mother and in your grandmother. It's in your DNA. Stir up the gift, Timothy, that's within you that I, that I gave you by the laying on my hands. So church, stir up the gifts. Stir up the anointings, the assignment that's within you. When the enemy seeks to intimidate you and cause fear, it's your job to begin to stir yourself up, Paul says, and remind yourself of who you are and who is inside you. Stir it up. Stir it up. For God has not given you a spirit of intimidation and fear, but love and power and a sound mind. Paul says to the church, stir yourself up. Up, do not be intimidated just because you failed once in your mind. Don't quit, don't be fearful, don't be intimidated. Stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost within you. Verse 11. Oh, it gets better. Now the angel of the Lord came, sat under a tree, and he met Gideon, and he appeared to him, and he said, Gideon, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of faith and power, full of the Holy Ghost. God is with you, Gideon. And if the Lord was to stand here today and he is through me, he would save you today. Church, you mighty men and women of valour, God is with you. Did you hear that? God is saying that today. Same yesterday, today and forever. He would say, church, come on. I believe in you. I put my spirit in you. You are strong and mighty and able. I'm not deluded today. I know who is in me. And Gideon, on behalf of the church, said, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? My church is the weakest in Melbourne. And I am the weakest in the church. I'm on the roster to clean the toilets. That's all they see in me. Lord, how can I change this city? Who, me, me? I could do nothing. You don't realise that when God gave gifts out, I got the scraps. I've got no talent, no ability. I'm shy. I, I'm, I'm a female. I, I live on the wrong side of town. Whatever it is, all these excuses. And the Lord says, surely I will be with you. And you will defeat the Midianites as one man. As one man. What does that mean? That Gideon would defeat the Midianites by himself? Maybe. It could mean that. And it could also mean that the Midianites, as vast as they were, will be like defeating one man. One man. I'm going to reduce the size of your enemy that you've made so big until he's the size of a mouse. And you will defeat him, Gideon. You see yourself too small and your enemy too big. You see reaching this city is too hard and your gift's too small. But I'm here to tell you by the Spirit of God, you shall defeat Midian as one man. Yeah. Oh, what do you think about that? Is anyone excited? Yeah. Oh, come on, church. You can do it. My job is to tell you how great you are. It is in you. The ability of God to transform a whole city. 
Maybe nobody else is telling you that, but I'm going to keep telling you that to the day I die. God thinks you can do it. That's enough reason to come to church to hear that. Gideon said, how can I do it, Lord? How can I do it, Lord? Can't you see the mess that we're in? Can't you see the vastness of the problem? See, the thing about God is he never repeats the problem. We get so focused on the enemy and it stirred my heart up this week that even great men and women of God are so reactive to the devil. Before they do something, they need to get 4,000 people covering them in prayer and, and you know, putting the blood in all the corners. There's a place for intercession and warfare. But they're so intimidated that the moment they step out, there is Satan with a big baseball back. Whack! No wonder the church doesn't step out. Because we've got this big devil and small God. I told our, our pre-service uh, team this morning that Jesus said that when we speak to the mountain, we can come out to be cast into the sea. And I told them that the greatest mountain is nine kilometres high and the greatest sea that we've measured is 11 kilometres deep that we know of. So it tells me that my God is bigger than any problem. The biggest problem will be submerged when you put it into the presence of God. There will be no trace that it ever existed. The greatest sea will swallow the greatest mountain. That's the faith of God. You bring your mountain and God brings his presence and he will swallow. Don't you remember that Moses' snake swallowed the Egyptian snake, what is he saying? That I can defeat and swallow so there's no view or even any sign that Satan was present in your life. Whew. So God spoke. He doesn't see problems, he sees answers. Judges 6.22. So after the Lord speaks to Gideon, Gideon begins to perceive that maybe it's God. Well, that's, that's good. It's hope for all of us, isn't it? The angel of the Lord comes to him and says things he's never heard before. And it says in verse 22, Gideon perceived that this was the angel of the Lord. And when he perceived it, he said, I think I'll die. He was afraid. And the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You will not die, Gideon. So isn't it interesting that it's in this time and in this very place, this story, that we discover one of the greatest names of God. It says, Gideon built an altar and he called that altar, the Lord is peace, Jehovah Shalom. You've heard of that word Shalom. My God is peace. The enemy had come against him intimidated him. And God says, I'm going to give you a strategy, Gideon. I'm going to get you out of this mess. I'm going to teach you how to overcome with a spirit of boldness. And at the very foundation of your boldness will be this. I am your peace. When the enemy's intimidating you, the only way to overcoming is from a foundation of peace. Boldness comes out of a place of peace. Did you hear that? So he builds an altar to the Lord. This is not by chance. God's not saying, well, look, I've got to whack in all the names of God throughout the Old Testament. So we'll put Jehovah Rapha here. And I've got nowhere to put Jehovah Shalom. So let's put in the story of Gideon. No, it's strategic. 
Every time God meets with these people, he's revealing another aspect of his nature and what we need for our success. Jehovah Shalom. Shalom is a foundation for acts of boldness. As I thought about this, Shalom donates, describes the peace of God and peace with God. Peace with God is, I believe, what God says about himself to be true. So God's saying to Gideon, I am with you. I am strong and mighty. He builds an altar and he has the peace, sorry, peace with God. He begins to believe what God says about him to be true. But he also gets the peace of God, which is believing what God says about me to be true. Peace of God and peace with God. Peace with God to believe everything about what God says about himself to be true. The peace of God to believe everything God says about me to be true. He builds an altar and he begins to get revelation of who God is and who he is. He needs this to be bold. Shalom also positions me to see God's plan in advance. I wrote about this in my book, but it bears repeating. Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God, which passes all human understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. That word guard means to experience in advance, to see or experience in advance. The peace of God will guard your heart. What's he saying? Paul's saying, when you operate under the shalom of God, when you allow his peace to fill your life, you will begin to see in advance. Your mind will begin to pick up what your spirit is seeing in advance. See, God is the God of yesterday, today and forever. He knows your tomorrow. If you know your tomorrow, you can be at peace. When you're at peace, there's boldness to go into tomorrow. See, if I tell you everything that's going to happen tomorrow, it may look bad, but it's all going to work out. You will have peace because you've been where you need to go. When you have peace, boldness comes to step in there without any question because I know what's going to happen. And he built this altar of shalom. So he began to see in advance what God was, and we'll see this in the story. God shows him in advance what he's going to do. And it brings peace to an anxious man. That's what brings boldness, the peace of God. When you know that God's been in your tomorrow, when you're not all anxious and stirred up, I wonder whether I'm going to get the sack. I wonder if my wife's going to leave me. I wonder if this is going to happen. When you're agitated, when you're fearful, intimidated, you will never have boldness to do what God's called you to do. When you have peace, when you know that God holds your tomorrow, when you know that all things work together for good for those that love Him and call according to His purpose, when you know that, that He will never leave you or forsake you, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Whom shall I fear? What can man do unto me? When you know that, you have boldness to keep going. Amen. Amen. God's peace enables us to experience our future victory while we're in our present crisis. I begin to experience it because I begin to see that God's gone ahead for me. So Gideon builds this altar. But do you know what else? It gets better. Shalom established is the channel for releasing the authority of God. He's building this altar. 
getting a revelation of God himself. He's building this altar, beginning to see into the future. He's building this altar because it's going to be the means where the authority of God will flow and he will step out in boldness. Do you know what it says in Romans 16, 20? I'll read it to you. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. What an amazing scripture. Listen to it. I'll read it to you again. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. That word crush means to smash grapes into wine. It also means the act of snapping, breaking and crushing bones into powder. He says, I will crush Satan in powder under your feet shortly. Oh, shortly. Maybe that means next year, you know, days as a thousand years. No, no, listen to what shortly means. It's a military term describing the way the soldiers and the Roman soldiers marched. They were instructed by the commanders, you are Roman soldiers. Lift your feet high, stomp aloud and let everybody know to get out of your way for you are Roman soldiers. And they had big spikes in their shoes. And if you got in their way, they would stomp over the top of you. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. So in other words, he's saying he's going to crush Satan. And the way he's going to do it is the church is going to rise like a mighty army and say, get out of my way. That's what he's saying. Are you hearing this? And when you know your tomorrow, you say to your tomorrow fears, get out of my way. And you stomp, 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 stomp. And you crush his head, crush his head. The only space that Satan is allowed to be permitted to occupy is the space between your feet and the ground. Stomp, 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 stomp. This is what God is saying to Gideon. You build this altar. You allow my peace to fill your life and authority will begin to pour out of your life and you'll stomp on his head. See, peace is the avenue, the corridor for authority and boldness to flow through. When I have peace with God and the peace of God, great boldness. See, when I have peace with God, I know that my salvation is assured. And when the devil says to me, he doesn't do it anymore because I've stomped on his head. But when he used to say, Andrew, are you sure you're going to heaven? I would stomp on his head. Why? Because I have assurance and peace and confidence that my tomorrow is assured because his blood was shed for me eternally before the Father. See, peace gives me confidence and authority and boldness. I have crushed his head so badly when it comes to my salvation that there is no more left. He's obliterated. I'm serious. He never, ever, ever says to me, are you sure you're saved? Why? Because I have peace with God. I have seen into my future. I know my assurance and I have defeated him. Come on, church. Imagine if everyone in the church had peace 
with God about our salvation. No more condemnation. No more fear. No more intimidation. Imagine what we do. Get out of the way. We're coming through. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. God's saying to Gideon, I'm going to partner with you, buddy. I'm going to put my peace in you. I'm going to supernaturally fill you with boldness and authority. And you're going to go out there and defeat the enemy as one man. Chapter 7, verse 9. Many of you know the story. Gideon assembles a fine army of 32,000 strong men. And God says, nah, too many. If, you, if, if, if it was possible for you to defeat all this vast army, you would take the glory for yourself, whittle it down, 300 will do. That's a size small enough so you will know it wasn't your great power. So verse 9, it happened on the same night that the Lord said to Gideon, go down to the camp of the Midianites. I have delivered them in your hand. But if you are still afraid, Gideon, it's okay to do it a little bit scared. Boldness will come. Don't wait till you're fully bold. Step out. Take a risk. Believe in God. Pray for the sick. Share your faith. Do it scared and the boldness of God will hit you. I've done it scared. I've been surrounded by some angry people at work. Not here, of course. And I've shared my faith when it hasn't been easy. But I tell you what, the boldness of God gets a hold of you and you feel like you could take on a hundred. He says, but if you are afraid, take Pura, your servant. And you will hear what they say. I'm going to give you insight into what's really going on in the enemy's camp. And your hand will be then strengthened to go down against the camp. So Gideon took his servant Pura to the outpost of the Amen. This man Pura, we don't know much about him except he is a servant of Gideon. Maybe an armor bearer. But you know, when you look at his name in the Hebrew, this is what he's is made up of three Hebrew letters. You may want to write this down. It's made up of pay, which is a P-E-Y, pure up, P-R and H. Pay means to speak a word. It's made up of resh, which means the highest. It's a picture of a head of a man. So to speak a word like a man of authority, right? And hey means to reveal. So when you put those words together, he's a servant that knows how to speak like a man of authority that has revelation from God. So God gives him a servant. It's a picture of the Holy Ghost who comes alongside you and reminds you of who you are. And he says, begin to speak like a man or a woman of authority for I will give you revelation that will undo all the works of the enemy. So when Gideon gets before the army, he happens to position himself in a vast army and he hears one man telling another man a dream he had at night. See, the Holy Spirit will position you in the right place at the right time to hear the word of the Lord that will give you breakthrough. When you're scared, he will be with you. He says, don't try and, and, and think of what you will say. I will give you the words that you need to speak. I will begin to draw on the resources that you've, you've began to build up as you've waited on me. I will be your strength. I will be your boldness. This is not human boldness. This is supernatural boldness that wells up within you. I will be with you. So here's a man saying, I had a dream and I saw like a barley 
um, bread tumbling down the hill. Barley is the bread of the poor and the weak. And I saw this barley bread roll down the hill, smash into the tent and take the whole tent out. And the friend said, this can be none other than Gideon, the man of God. We're dead. Holy Spirit's showing people today that no matter what vast problem you have, no matter how insignificant you may feel, that when God gets a hold of a man or a woman, he will take the enemy out. And the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal to you what is truly taking place in the realm of the Spirit. We've retreated into dens and caves. But God's saying, if I be for you, who can be against you? Are you hearing this today? In your spirit. So Gideon gets 300 men, divides them into three, takes 100 in each, each division. And he says, all right, man, listen to what he says in, in chapter 7, verse 20. He says, I want you to get trumpets. And I want you to get jars. And I want you to put the torch in the jar. And it says the three companies blew the trumpets. And they broke the pitchers or the jars that held the torches in them, in their left hand. And the trumpets in their right hand for blowing. The torch was hidden inside the jar. The men were hiding inside of caves. They were afraid. And Gideon says, right, you've been afraid a long time. The enemy thinks he's got you bound. Your torch has been hidden inside this jar. We have this treasure inside earthen vessels. God commands the light to come out of darkness. He says, and what's going to happen? You're going to smash this jar. And you're going to say to the enemy, here I am, I'm not hiding anymore. Something inside you is going to be revealed that's always been in there, but it's been hidden. And you're going to smash it. And you're going to put it in your left hand. And you're going to get a trumpet in your right hand. The right hand speaks of the realm of the Spirit. You're going to make declarations and praise in the Spirit with your right hand. And on your left hand, you'll have a torch that's come out of, a, out of an earthen vessel. The left hand speaks of that which is natural. I'm going to cause you no longer to be hidden in the natural, no longer hiding in the back streets, no longer hiding in the lowest jobs. I'm going to give you prominence in the realm of the natural. Break the jar, put the torch in your left hand. No longer is the church going to be hidden in the natural realm, but we're coming of age. This is what God's saying to the church. Blow the trumpet, declare into the realm of the Spirit, and then begin to possess in the natural. Wow! So they blew the trumpet. This is the greatest light and sound show in history. And they made a sound. And they used the torch as a light to say, we will occupy the land. And it says that the Lord turned the enemy on, his, on themselves and they drove the sword into each other and they slaughtered each other. And God's people just stood there and watched. God wants to fight for you. God's just looking for someone with a bit of intestinal fortitude, with some boldness, who will, will never stop declaring the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. This city belongs to Jesus. And he will fight our battles. He's looking for someone with boldness who will allow God to speak through them.
Maybe today God wants to put a torch in your hand and a trumpet in your right hand. Maybe he wants that earthen vessel to be broken and the power of God to be released. Maybe you've been hiding for so long. God's saying, come on, Gideon. You can do it. You can do it. Get up again, Gideon. I believe in you. What's been intimidating you? What is it you've believed for that you've stopped believing for? What has the enemy so assaulted you that you have rationalized and said, well, maybe it's not God's will. Almost everyone that you read who's intelligent on the internet, who comes up with theories why God doesn't do X, Y, Z, is because they've retreated from once was a battle and are now hiding in a cave. And a lot of people are writing on the internet from caves rather from the battlefront. So I say, come on, church, start sowing seed again. And like Shamar with his pea patch, say, this may be small, but it's my pea patch. I've sown this. These are my seeds. I'm believing for this. I'm not moving. I refuse to move. I'm stationing myself in the middle of the field and I shall not move. I shall not move because I know God's been in my future. It's going to work out. I have his peace. I'm stepping into boldness and I refuse to settle for anything less than God's best. I will not be intimidated. I know that the enemy's tried to intimidate many people this week. He wants you to downgrade, downsize, down everything. That's not God. Joseph said, when I die, take my bones to the promised land. Don't downsize me. Don't leave me. Halfway, take me to the fullness of what I believe for. And I pray in my heart that if the things I believe for, I'm going to die believing for. And I pray that somebody catches my spirit and takes it into the future. That we never stop believing. We never get disappointed, discouraged, and we begin to minimize what God can do. Let us aim for the stars. If I could get inside you. But I don't need to because the Holy Spirit is. And he wants to breathe on you. He wants to breathe on you. For God commanded light to shine out of darkness. And how does he do it? He breathes on us. And we receive his peace. We receive his boldness. And we say, okay, Lord, hand me the trumpet and the torch. I will again declare the word of the Lord and I will possess the land. A torch and a trumpet. Weapons on our left and our right. Cause us, Lord, to possess the land. Thank you, Jesus. And I declare over this church a spirit of boldness. If you want to flow in the supernatural, you've got to do something that's unnatural to you. It may be a declaration, a dance, a song, whatever it might be, but God will always get us to do something out of our comfort zone. And he did that with Gideon. Shout! Break the picture and shout. So I pray, Lord, over your people, a spirit of boldness in the Holy Ghost would rise up. Lord, we say that we're soul winners. 
We're looking for opportunities to tell people about Jesus. We will not be intimidated by what other people think and say. I break the fear of man that would stop people taking their opportunities. And they say, maybe I should have done this. I speak courage and boldness into every one of us to be men and women of great faith and tenacity. I say over you, you're lovers of people, that you are prosperous, that you are people of the Holy Spirit, that move in the gifts, that see people healed and set free. You are people of great faith and great vision and great prominence and great integrity and influence. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So Lord, fill us today with the spirit of uncompromising boldness. No retreat, no surrender. Boldness in every area of our life. Boldness, boldness, boldness. Lord, remove fear like was it, that was in Gideon that intimidated him. The fear of man is a snare. Break that over our lives and fill us with boldness. Boldness. I break the fear of man that would restrict you and stop you coming into your inheritance. There are people here today that the fear of man, the fear of what others think about you, the fear of being misunderstood or talked about, it's crippling you. And God says, I want to free you and fill you with supernatural boldness that will go beyond your own personality or your IQ or your own perceived weaknesses. I will fill you with supernatural boldness. The disciples prayed and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and with boldness. So we pray today, Lord, fill your church with the Holy Ghost and with supernatural boldness today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 The enemies try to steal your voice, steal your mouth, steal your declaration. And God says, if you will do something unnatural, I will do something supernatural. If you will begin to declare, if you will begin to step out of your comfort zone, I will partner with you and we will see the strongholds of the enemy broken. So Father, I pray this day, fill your church with boldness.